Hello, welcome to episode 1110 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, November 1st. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Hey, we're going to do episode 1111 in FPS. I know, cool. I didn't. We didn't even plan to land on a, mm-hmm. on a cool little unique number there so that'll be fun that'll be saturday night live with jason we'll be in arizona i'm excited you're leaving tomorrow i leave two days from now and uh, we'll get we'll get some baseball but we'll also be getting some world series out there which eh, i don't love and the only reason i don't love it it's not that i don't love watching games with y'all is now six and seven could really if it goes seven which it certainly could um, we could take away from the conference a bit and some of the main events that are happening being that they're on Saturday and Sunday. That's the home run derby and the all-star game. And I don't know, that's a bummer. I, I think a lot of people will be like us where we will just watch on our phones and kind of keep an eye that way. But I hope it doesn't take a bunch of people kind of from wanting to go in general. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it will. I think most people, uh, will end up still going to to the events I, I i'm rooting that it's a sweep from here on out right we got a one one the game one was one of the best world series games we've had in a long time uh game two is fine uh it's it's been a fun series already now whoever wins game three just take four and five so that way we can enjoy watching five on thursday night in arizona and do our events uh uh saturday and sunday make sure if you are coming out to first pitch Arizona, you come up and chill with us. Like, I think some Absolutely. people, yeah, I think, I think every once in a while people who are coming to these events are like afraid to like approach, like, oh, no, no, no. like come hang out with us, come sit down and chat with us. Like that's like the panels are great. Love the panels. The games are great. Love the games. But the best part of first pitch Arizona is sitting down and talking to people. I learn so much every year uh, by just sitting down with some of the smartest people in the industry and some of the best players in the game. Uh, and just kind of absorbing their knowledge. Plus, I get lunch or dinner paid for me by Rob Silver. I won Uh-oh. my bet. And, and, uh, oh, because you stayed under your league count. I, yeah, because I didn't play in more than 17 leagues. And um, and true to his word, he jumped into my DMs this week. He's like, all right, let's set this up. Um, he goes, I pay my bets. Uh, yeah, he and, does. Uh, Rob, Silver, yeah, Rob Silver is a man of his word, and I'm looking forward to a nice uh, lunch or dinner with Rob Silver. Sounds fantastic. I can't wait to link up with Rob among others and uh and hang out. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh and like mm-hmm. I said, you know, even though game six, seven, it doesn't sound like a bad thing. I totally understand. I just again I want the focus on the conference, not everyone crowding around a TV and, and just just watching the World Series. But uh people can make their own decisions. I'm not gonna bully or shame anybody if they want to stick in the hotel and just watch I will. the games. Honestly, especially if they're a Houston or Philly fan, I totally get it. No in that a- case, um, I, I'm just ignoring you and moving on. Yeah. Today, what we're going to talk about is some average draft position changes from last year. Uh, I finally figured out how to get the ADP data. Uh, it was it's a little bit of a challenge if you're if you're used to the ADP site, the NFBC site, you might be wondering why it doesn't show up uh, for the the stuff that's out for this year already, even though drafts have been going on. The key, do not change to draft champions. There's a draft selector where you can select the different types. Change the date to uh, you know October 1st, 2022, but do not change from all drafts. I don't know why they don't show under draft champions. Um, even the ones that are, are just draft champions, doesn't matter. That's how you do it. But what I wanted to do was compare last year to this year and kind of see who are some of the biggest movers. 
And, you know, some of these aren't going to be too surprising. When we get to, say, uh, biggest risers, I took out, like, closers, for example. That is such a massive thing that will change a reliever's outlook that I thought, not that it's cheating, but it doesn't really offer any insight. We say, oh, if they have a closer's job, yes, we're interested. Oh, Ryan Helsley moved up 42 billion spots from last year? Duh. We know why. So I tried to focus on players that uh, that aren't closers, basically. Let's start with our top five undrafted from last year. And we will start with a closer because he was undrafted, and I want to know really what you think about him. And I know we've talked a bit about him because we both drafted him. And I, I think I kind of want to get your concern level that, A, they bring in somebody else, or B, just let somebody else have the job. And I have one name that could do it. Uh, so these are top five undrafted from 2021 that are now being drafted this year. Four of them are in the top 300 picks, and then another one just outside who's at, who we're actually going to see at AFL. Uh, but we'll start with Alexis Diaz, presumed closer for Cincinnati. Again, we both believe it to some degree because we both drafted him. Uh, me as my no number one, you as your number two behind Liam Hendricks, so you're in a much better spot there than I am. He is the brother of Edwin Diaz, of course. Had a really nice season. Only 10 saves, but seven wins chipped in. He was in high leverage, wasn't always in the closers role. 184 ERA, 0.96 whip, th uh, 83 strikeouts in 63 and two-thirds for Alexis Diaz. We know, or we assume that since he is not going to be a particularly good team. So we can put that off to the side. We know his saves count won't be huge, even if he has the job from day one. But what is your level of concern? Where, where do you where do you put him on the riskometer, if you will, the riskometer for closing? Are you concerned that he will get uh, pushed out by somebody in house, or they go elsewhere, or does the twenty six year old Diaz in Cincinnati get to hold the gig? I mean, I'm somewhat concerned uh, just because Cincinnati's mo since trading Rossiel Iglesias uh, has been even times before Iglesias really established himself as the dude uh, was to share the job. Like they, they didn't really go with one guy. Now I think you can make the argument that they didn't have the one guy to go with. And once they did, they went with him um, in Iglesias uh, prior to trading him to Los Angeles. Uh, mm -hmm. That being said, I don't know. I like I, I don't really trust that management staff uh, in Cincinnati. So I think if you're betting on skills and what I did in my draft, and I think what you did in your draft was bet on the skills. Uh, you know, yeah, you know you're going to get strikeouts. He was electric, especially in the second half. First half was a little bumpy, but really kind of came into his own. And he led the Reds in saves in the second half. He had seven second half saves. Uh, the next highest guy was Hunter Strickland, who's not even going to be on the team. Yeah, uh, they've got Lucas Sims, but I've never been a Lucas Sims guy. Like this, like, I don't this think Lucas, you can trust Sims, Lucas Sims is hell. Yeah, the, the bandwagon for Lucas Sims just is I, it should be done at this point, but if it like fires back up, I'm not going to be on it. I, I think I don't uh, see a world where Sims would overtake Diaz on uh on spec. Maybe yeah. in season if once if if Diaz was struggling and Sims was excelling, sure, flip-flop there, but coming into the year, I'd be really surprised if they leapfrog Sims over Diaz. I'll tell you the name that I'm looking out for though and I drafted this guy too, so I feel like I'm I'm a bit covered. What about TJ Antone returning from TJ uh from last year? He's had a long time off. I wonder if maybe he could get the job. He had he had the surgery last August, so he had over a year recovery. 
So he's going to be pretty well removed from that injury come this spring. Uh, TJ Antone was somebody who was really intriguing before he got hurt. That's somebody that I think could play a role there. But I also wonder if maybe they look for him as an extended, uh, you know, fireman type where they're going multi-inning outings with TJ Antone. So I see him as maybe a little bit of a concern. Took him, you know, hundreds upon hundreds of picks later. What do you think of TJ Antone? Yeah, I mean, Anton, I think is an interesting guard, but I, I think you they want him in kind of that fireman role if he's healthy. I mean, I know the last report I saw on him is that he was only throwing 85. Uh, uh, now he was only throwing off a of flat ground. He you know wasn't throwing off a mound, but that's pretty far removed from the 97 we saw him at uh, prior to the injury. You know better um, than to take anything out of those. Yeah, yeah. I just I don't know. Like I I I think. I think Diaz would have to be bad to lose this job. Like I think he would legitimately have to be bad. So I think if you're if you're looking for a guy and you want to like lock up Cincinnati saves, I don't know why you would. That's the that's the team you'd want to lock up saves on because I don't think Cincinnati's going to be particularly good necessarily. Um, but I guess I think it could be sneaky deep. By the way, let me just interject that quickly. I'm not projecting them to be like a contender, but you know you got Green and Lodolo atop the rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, you got. Uh, the prospects that are going to start coming in and hopefully making an impact in addition to some guys that are already there ready to be impact. We got to see Tyler Stevenson stay healthy. Let's see a, a rebound from Jonathan India. You know, I'm a big Jake Fraley guy. I think they could start to maybe make some TJ Friedel. TJ Friedel is your boy. Uh, so, you know, I think some things could come together to where they're not necessarily a super low tier team. Uh, they won 62 this year. They went 62 and hundred. Remember they had that unbelievably dreadful start. What was it like three and 20 or something? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, I think they can avoid that fate this year and be a bit more of a uh, run of the mill, bad team, say low seventies kind of wins, which you can get 20, 30 saves off of that or, or 25, 30, I should say. Uh, if he's given the role, Alexis Diaz is given the role and just free to go with it. But yeah, I agree. I think uh, he needs to falter. To come out of it let's move on to our next guy here or else uh, we're gonna take forever if we're spending 20 minutes on everyone first of many braves we're going to talk about this will not surprise you not necessarily on this list but across the entire show today because there were a lot of braves movers and shakers and you can probably guess the three guys in particular but the first one here that was undrafted last year who's now a top 200 pick is vaughn grissom at an adp of 182 i was really you know i'm really Intrigued by what he was able to do uh, off the top last year. Of course, the interesting thing is he's a second baseman. So is Ozzie Albies. I've been on record saying I think Vaughn Grissom can move to the outfield without incident, given, you know, being a uh, major league middle infielder tells me you can probably handle the outfield, especially a corner. What do you think of Vaughn Grissom going at a, a 182 ADP? Or, yeah, 182. I, I prefer his ADP to his teammates who we're going to talk about at, at some point today and Michael Harris. Uh, I mean, Grisham is kind of a tale of two months, like a really, really great um, uh, August and kind of a ho-hum end of the season. But still, that ho-hum came with pretty decent skills. We're talking about like a 91% zone contact in the last uh, month of the season, September, uh, October. And I think they need to find him an everyday role. It's, it's probably not going to be at second base because Ozzy Albee should be healthy coming into the season, uh, but uh, it should be somewhere, right? Like it's probably a super utility guy or like I said, move to the outfield. There's no reason after all that 
uh, Marcelo Zuna has done that he should continue to be an everyday player. Uh, I think they'll figure out a role for Grisham. Question is, like, where exactly does he play and, uh, like, where does he bat in that lineup? So uh, I think he could kind of be a bottom-of-the-order guy, you know, hitting, like, seven or eight. Uh, and But I think playing every day, and I, I, I like the price. Like, he's not a guy that I think you need to worry about breaking the bank for. I think you can get him you know, after pick 160 and feel pretty confident he's going to end up on your team and uh, and probably pick up some multi-position eligibility in season. Yeah, I think so too with uh, with Grissom. The multi-eligibility is really intriguing uh, intriguing as well. I do think the ADP will rise if we start to get word that uh, Grissom is going to head to the outfield and, and angle for a starting role in one of the corners. That people are going to start anticipating, okay, hey, I'm going to get second base. Uh, off the top and then I can add outfield in ad- in addition to this guy who's a intriguing power speed guy you know he had a nice flourish 156 plate appearances with five homers five steals 291 353 440 for his slash line very very sharp um I don't think that's necessarily who he is and then we start extrapolating from there we know how how dangerous the extrapolation game can be but you know it was a it's a modest plate profile with the twenty two percent K rate, seven percent walk rate. Um, you know, it chases a decent bit. Thirty five percent on O swing. What where's that relative to average? Uh I think it's a, a bit high. Yeah. Double a, second, average but, is like thirty, maybe. Uh, if I recall correctly, I know you are are usually in tune with those numbers there. So I don't know about uh I, I don't know about all that. Thirty thirty two point six. Okay, so not it's, it's, not it's egregious. Not, it's about it, it, six. It's gone up year to year, uh, of course, and, and and will probably continue to do so. But it's not like I think Michael Harris is, and we'll, we'll talk about him is like obscenely high. Like, and you you start to go, well, why is this guy a second round pick with these underlying skills? He's, Whereas, he's got even bigger plate plate issues. I agree. And I think the difference between the two, when you're talking about Michael Harris versus Vaughn Grisham is Michael Harris's upside, and we saw it, right? It's through the roof. Like, you know, he could just be an absolute monster if he can continue to get away with kind of these uh, scary plate skills uh, underneath the hood, whereas Von Grisham actually has a lot nicer plate skills underneath uh, the hood. But I don't think the upside is nearly there. I think you're probably looking at a guy who, Best case scenario, if he's getting the full time playing time, it's probably like a 15 15 guy with, you know, a, a good, um, you know, average, you know, maybe 15 15, 270, uh, or maybe even 280. Uh, I'll take that. It, it, pick 180, like I'd be fine, with that, especially if you're going to start adding in multi position eligibility. Um, you know, uh, so I, I think a lot depends too. Like what happens with Dancy Swanson? Is Swanson a guy that signed somewhere else because Grisham has played shortstop, you know, a couple games at the major league level and in the minor league. So like the answer might be they let uh, Dansby Swanson go and Mm -hmm. Von Grisham becomes their shortstop next year. Yeah. It is a question, you know, do the Braves utilize the, uh, the surplus that they have with these team friendly deals to pay a big dog like Dansby, who's obviously going to make uh, make some pretty they substantial should. money. Yeah. And I, I think there's a great case for them to go ahead and do that. I am eager to see if they do. And, and like you said, that would happen, open up another avenue for Grissom uh, if they go ahead and let Dansby walk. Joey Manessis is somebody we've talked about uh, a bit this offseason, and we know you know the easy comp is the Frank Schwindel stuff, who we're actually going to talk about uh, later as well as far as uh, biggest fall-offs. He's not a one-to-one on Schwindel, and I think we've covered that uh, on this uh, on this show here, where 
I totally understand the comp though. I make it myself. It is a little bit of a shorthand comp. You can call it lazy, uh, but it, it's not, there's not nothing to it. Uh, it's just not a one-to-one. But you look at Manessis as a 30-year-old who popped 13 homers in 240 plate appearances, absolutely went off. There's a lot to like in what he did, even though we know it's not fully believable. His ADP is up from obviously undrafted last year to 228. Where do you stand on that price for Joey Manessis? 228, I think, is fine. Um, he's just not going to be on a lot of my teams. Like, I, I don't buy what he did. I think this was uh, a guy who you know, got a lot of playing time because he's on a bad team. Now, he's still on a bad team. Like they're, they're not necessarily, I don't see them as they're buyers. Not anywhere next year. Yeah they're, yeah. they're not buyers, especially with, you know, the talk that they, uh, the owner wants to sell the team. Like they're not mm-hmm. going to shell out a crap ton of money uh, right before he tries to, you know, offload the franchise. That being said, like for a guy who hit as well as he did, like, I don't understand how, um, you know, like he had, just about a league average zone contact profile swing strike rate was 11%, which, you know, is right in line with where he struck out. Like, I think he'd still be kind of a low strikeout guy, but like, I don't think he's gonna have all these hits drop in the way he did in 2022, uh, which makes me wonder if he had a really inflated BABIP. And now that I look a 371 BABIP, I think carried a lot of the weight of that 324 batting average. I think he's probably like, a teens home run hitter, maybe low twenties uh, guy. Uh, if he gets the full time playing time he needs, um, with like a two sixty two seventy batting average, like I, like I think that I think he's fine. Um, and at two pick two twenty or something, you said, uh, I, I get that's not a bad. Like you're not like you're not losing your draft because you drafted Joey Manessis, but um, I don't think he's a guy that I'm targeting at all this year. Yeah, I don't really see. I, I don't really see it where I would necessarily want Manessis on many teams. It's not it's not an egregious price, like you say, but I don't think it's particularly good either. Um, it is raised. Remember, the last time we talked about him, we were talking about where he went in my draft, which was pick 145, uh, unsurprisingly, the min by quite a bit. And, uh, you know, obviously we're not doing that. But even at this, uh, uh, even at this level here at 228, I don't know, man. I see Tristan Casas, Trey Mancini, Jared Walsh, Juan Yepes, Spencer Torkelson, Luke Voigt, all just going right after him. Just all those guys right there I'd rather have at the, yeah, at the same or cheaper price. So with Manessis, you know, 30-year-old, I, I, I hope that he can have a big full season here because it's fun to watch a guy break out like this literally out of nowhere and become something, uh, you know, useful. But I don't have high hopes for it. Let's talk about a – player who's not even in the majors yet but he is very much expected to be and that's kodai senga uh from japan he's going at pick 296 right now and i did see him go in my draft as well hang on let me pull up where he went senga uh went 329 in my draft so you know beyond this this adp here 232 is his low 397 is his high pitcher from japan expected to come over we don't obviously we don't know where he's going to be or anything, so it's very hard to analyze him beyond what we've seen in Japan and how we feel about him based off of that. 
and so I know that the, that your uh, that your analysis here is going to be a bit nebulous. But what do you think of Senga? I know uh, one thing that I'm looking forward to is talking to Tim McLeod, who is, mm-hmm. is the go-to guy for overseas players. He really keeps keeps his finger on the pulse there. And if you're looking for information on you know who's doing what, he usually has you on board with somebody well before they even come over. I remember learning about Masahiro Tanaka from him long before he came over. Uh, Kenta Maeda was another one that he got the jump on. And I'm looking at Senga here, and there's definitely some upside, but what do you think of, of Senga? It looks like the, the most recent thing I can see, at least as far as the news, is that the Red Sox are, are looking at him pretty heavily. What do you think of Senga, and can he be somebody who makes an instant impact in the majors? I honestly, I have no idea. Like, I'm, I'm not gonna like sit here and like try to figure out exactly like what he's gonna be. From the looks of it, doesn't seem like he's gonna be like uh, a guy that comes over and uh, like completely dominates in the way that other players uh, have from Japan. I think he could come over and be. Uh, I don't want to say Kikuchi-ish, because um, I, I think Kikuchi had some really, really high hopes and then really disappointed. Uh, for much every of his, year, you know, people want to yeah. pretend that he's good. Um, I think he he profiles. I think a little bit kind of um, uh, higher higher floor, lower ceiling uh, would be my guess. But honestly, I, I've never seen him pitch, um, and I have zero idea. Like uh, when I started seeing his name float around, I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Is this like a minor <laughs> leaguer I've never heard of? Um, uh, I. I think if you're going to buy in drafts, now's the time, right? Like get him before he posts and stuff. But there's also a huge amount of risk because when we're talking about drafts right now, we're typically talking about draft and hold. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were a lot of people who, including myself, that wasted a draft spot on Saganu, like because he was supposed to be the guy that came over and was like this big pitching, uh, you know, uh, prospect from, from Japan. And he never, they posted him and he never, or actually I don't even know if they even posted him, um, he, but he never came over. Like, and so you waste that draft spot. I think there's some big risk to taking that gamble. I think if you're getting after pick 300, fine, you take the gamble. But uh, the moment he signs, the helium is going to go through the roof. So if you want to get a, uh, a share of him uh, this year, it should be done prior to the posting uh, where everybody's like, okay, now I want to take the gamble on the high up. For sure. Side. Yeah. If you're on board with Senga, you're, you're 100% right. Getting a draft just to get him now because the, the price is unlikely to go down uh, mm-hmm. once he signs it. And then I feel, I would say, certain. It's certain to not go down. It will rise when he signs. Uh, 148 innings this year with a 189 ERA and a 104 whip, 159 strikeouts in Japan. For Kodai Senga, that's S-E-N-G-A, and he's up at pick 296. And then the last here of the top five undrafted is, like I said, somebody we're going to be able to get to see next week, and that's Matt Mervis, prospect uh, hitter for the Cubs. And I believe he's first base eligible. Is that right? Mm-hmm. First baseman. So uh, 24 years old, just ripping the cover off the ball at Fall League, just to put it in some perspective here. He, he had a nice three-level season this year, uh, just got better. As it went up, you know, started at high A, which a little bit too old for somebody who's 24, did his did his damage there in a month, then jumped to double A, kept it going, then jumped to triple A and did not miss a beat. And then by the time he's up at triple A as a 24 year old, that's perfectly fine as far as age to level. Uh, And then it's going to continue it here 
in Arizona Fall League. So he's going to get a four-level season, and he's already hit 36 homers in the regular season, now already has five homers and 47 plate appearances in the Arizona Fall League. Mervis is a fast riser. Folks are big time in on him. Hell, I would take him. I would take that Mervis over Manessis, especially given the price difference right now. So that's just another guy. He's at 325, nearly 100 picks lower than Manessis. What do you think of Matt Mervis, Cubs hitting prospect? I'm very, very interested in him, but I do worry that like this, you know, the, the great minor league uh, season last year and now the Arizona Fall League um, and everybody, you know, all these analysts that are going to first pitch are going to get to see him in person. And if he hits, remember the year like Luis Urias hit that massive home run and everybody went crazy um at, at the fall league i just feel like this is going to be one of the hype guys uh it, you know coming through draft season here over the next couple months and the one thing i noticed like it you know when i did my draft and i, I just wrote up my draft for uh fan graphs uh for the site on fan graphs um so you can go read that and one of the things i kind of mentioned in my takeaways uh at the end was that prospects are not going to be cheap this year. Uh, guys like Gunnar Henderson, especially the guys who debuted last year, Gunnar Henderson, Corbin Carroll, those kind of guys, they're going to be really, really expensive. And I think you're going to see guys like Mervis. Those guys. Hmm? We're going to talk about those guys. I know, but I'm just, I'm, I think you're going to see Mervis rise uh, uncontrollably if he has. Really? Yeah, I, I think people are, first base has that those weird fall-offs. Um, and what do you think his peak is, though? Oh, I mean, uh, he ain't rising above Manessas. I think he is. I, 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 I bet you Mervis is going ahead of Joey Manessas by March. Put it on the board. Put it on the board. He has to be going higher than two twenty eight because I'm talking about Manessas's price yeah, right now. Yeah, ab- yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I, I'm not sure, at, especially at first base. Like, like where do you where do you really think he goes? What, what kind of ADP are you putting on Mervis then? I think like 175. Oh God, that's the number then. I'm I'm t- putting that. I'll put that on the board all day. That's insane. You might be right, and I'll take the LFR. But that if people pay that, I will laugh. I mean, he has everything shaping up for him to be again. I'm not saying like I'm even out at that price necessarily. I like Matt Mervis. I'm a lot. fully out at that price. Um, I, first I think, baseman who has not played in the majors for pick 175. I think going, he's gonna play day one. Like there's I, no maybe, reason for the maybe, but why, but why would I pay that when I got in in this theoretical here? Josh Bell, Rowdy Tellez, Josh oh, Naylor, Seth Brown. All right, maybe I'm not in on all that. those guys are going later. Like I'm not paying 175 for Mervis in any way, shape, or form. That's less about Mervis and any negativity with him, and more about the positivity of just waiting. I, I think and getting those 30 homer hitters. I mean, I, I agree with that, but I, yeah, I think he's going to go inside the top 200. By okay, um, especially put, like I said, put that if, on the board. Um, yeah, all right, top 200. I should write these down so I don't yeah. forget. I, I, I found I found a random doc of, of some board bets from. I found some too that yeah. uh, I, I think covered on stream because I had some with Colin too. So I was comparing because they all come through on like October. I think I put them in October first. Um, obviously, that's usually when the season kind of ends, and we got pushed back a week this year. But obviously, this one we can check in on April first because mm-hmm. it's it's an ADP thing. So I'm going to put it in here right now. Matt Mervis ADP, and it's got to be uh over 200 or 200 yeah. or lower. Okay, well, so those are the top five guys that uh 
that weren't drafted last year and where they're going. Let's talk top five non-closer risers. Like I said, we know why why a riser why a closer rises makes sense. Not really a whole lot of analysis there. Let's get into some of these players that you were talking about, these rookies. In fact, we got four rookies in going into their second season. And then an arm that we did talk about recently, but I wonder if uh uh I think you actually changed about this guy on the fly. We'll get to it in a moment. Michael Harris is the biggest jump. Plus, what, 720 spots. <laughs> he did go in six of the 321 drafts last year, which might surprise you. Shouts to those six people jumping on the Michael Harris train. I knew who Michael Harris was. I did not consider him a draft-eligible type guy, even for draft champions last year. So big respect to those folks picking a – I think at the time he would have been 20 years old. Yeah, he, his birthday is March 7th. So at the time, they were taking a 20-year-old who was peaked at high A. I believe all of those people were James Anderson of Rotoware. I mean, there I you go. Uh, and he was he was huge on him. Uh, shout out to him uh, that uh, that he was uh, he was in on that because I I had no idea who Michael Harris was, much less. Uh, like I said, I knew the name, but that's it. I, I can't yeah. I can't claim beyond right. that, especially I, I never would have thought he was draft viable last year. I really wouldn't have. No, not with what it looked like. Um, I mean, we had questions about other guys on that team, like how are they going to get the playing time in that outfield? And then, you know, Eddie Rosario just never was able to stay healthy. Uh, and, you know, Ozuna turned. Well, I mean, actually, you know, as much as I like, hating on Ozuna this episode, apparently, Ozuna was fine. Like, you know, he had like 23 home runs and like 400 plate appearances. Like, he, he was he was totally fine. He's just uh, like a complete DH. Yeah, he's just a and then off the guy. field, mm-hmm. uh, you know, misbehavior. But yeah, like the Rosario thing, man, I, I wanted Rosario to be good, but his playoff tax was off the charts. And so, but again, he was I also never, never healthy. Like, he just yeah. was never. Well, he had healthy. the eye issue too, and yeah. that didn't really seem to fix things. But I, I was never in on, like, well, that means Michael Harris is going to be the yeah. dude because a, a 20 year old at high A. So, again, we know that he is remarkably expensive. I guess the one thing I should have done was up uh, 720 ranks, but up to what? Uh, up to pick 30. So, you mentioned it earlier in passing that he's a second rounder. You mentioned that there is some alarm to go with that with regards to his plate skills. I, I briefly men- mentioned Grissom's plate skills. Uh, Harris's are worse, 24% K rate, 5% walk rate. And you have some further with the uh, chase rate and all that, that that is also alarming. Does that take you off of, uh, of Michael Harris this year with a 42% O swing? He's been going in the second round fairly consistently. Like, mm-hmm. I just- and I understand why, like the upside is through the roof, but like, I just don't understand how you can take him over Cedric Mullins and Randy Rosarena and guys like that. I just, there's no way, like, I just can't do it. Um, the 40% O swing is just petrifying uh, to me. I, I just, um, ah, like he's got league average contact skills uh, in the zone, um, but he clearly doesn't have a really great understanding of what the zone is. Um, and you see that, you know, he had a 56% first pitch strike rate because pitchers are like, well, if you're just going to chase out of the zone, I'm not going in the zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so like, I, I don't know, like, I just, I just think he's overpriced. Um, and I think he's going to continue to be overpriced because of the numbers he did put up, uh, last year. I mean, 441 plate appearances, 19 home runs, 20 stolen bases, 297, I think the Babbitt's going to come back down to earth. Uh, 
uh, a little bit and the average will drop. I think he's probably like a 270 guy that is got the 25-25 upside, but also some pretty stark downside, um, especially in the batting average department. So I'm I'm not in on Michael Eric as a second round pick. Like if he was a fourth or fifth round pick, I would be totally fine with that and, and probably targeting it. But second round, like I just can't rationalize that. It's too much, and I, and I gotta say, a player like this, this is the hardest player type I think to to go against. Um, it's easy to get swept up in the excitement of this type of player and just kind of blindly see that he was a hover away from 2020 at age 21, and he only did that in 114 games, and he is a premium prospect, and he's on one of the best teams. Let me just draft him and. I think sometimes maybe I'm speaking for my. Let me say I'm speaking for myself here. I don't want to project this on everyone else, but I, I'm probably not alone. When you do this, you know that like for the most part, no one's really going to roast the pick either, right? Because it, it because of where his ADP is, it's been it's been deemed a bit of a safe pick. So if you want to take the gamble, you're kind of uh, justified by the ADP. So it it all adds up, I think, for a potential mistake. And I think that's kind of what we're looking at here with Michael Harris. I really like him, but I'm not sure that – I mean, I, let me not uh, couch it. There is no downside built into this pick. This is all yeah. must perform because of how high you're taking him. I don't see myself with any Michael Harris just as a bit of a, uh, you know, like protection. I just, you mentioned Cedric Mullins. What about Randy Rosarena? And speaking of Randy Rosarena, remember all the hell he got last year? There, there was a lot of bad mouthing on Randy Rosarena last year, and he was going much cheaper than this. And then he goes out and actually bet, betters his year, um, at least in terms of the stolen base production, 12 extra stolen bases up to 32. He matched his 20 homers. His average did come down 11 points, um, but 20 more ribbies. Uh, fewer runs from 94 to 72, but bottom line is Randy Rosarena backed up things and, and ended up having another great season. Uh, he's more established and, and maybe, you know, because he's older, I think that that was also a reason of like, well, is this guy going to fix that swing and miss? But I don't know here on Harris. I, I, I really think I'm out, Justin. I, I don't see myself taking him at that high of a pick. I think my my ranking on, on outfield is going to have Michael Harris as more of like a fourth, fifth round pick, which means I'm never getting him. His low right now, his max is 48. That isn't close to, to what I'm looking to do. Uh, I mean, it's it's into the fourth round, so I shouldn't say it's yeah. not close to what. I, but you know, I'm looking at like I, I was kind of hoping that he would be in a Rosa Reina's range from last year. Instead, he he rose all the way up with a Rosarena to where a Rosarena is this year. He's in fact he's over a Rosarena. So, uh, and for for context, a Rosarena was picked sixty one last year, and even that I think would be a little bit risky with Michael Harris. So, I hate to be so negative on such a bright young player, but that price is just way too robust for me. Well, I mean, you're, I have him right now, um, and for those of you who are on the Patreon. Uh, I've got uh, my ranks up there. I posted them last night. I'm still kind of figuring out the outfield a little bit, but I, I think I got like the top 40 or something like that on there. Uh, I have him 17th at outfield, and if you look at last or if you look at the ADP, 17th is pick 62. It's right around Starling Marte. Right. Give me Starling yep. Marte. There you there. go. There's like, another power speed like, guy. Actually, and then I, right next is the next guy we're going to talk about. So I want to ask you where you ranked Corbin Carroll. Oh, that's a really, really good question. Probably a little bit lower. 
He's 18th here in this ADP, and he's our next guy to talk about. I will give you the numbers uh, on him while you're looking up where you ranked him. He went, uh, he's uh, 686 picks higher. He did go in 11 drafts last year. I think that was uh, certainly, I, I could see getting to uh, Corbin Carroll in your 40s type round last year, more so than Cedric Mullen, or not, excuse me, more so than Michael Harris, um, because, you know, Corbin Carroll, higher rated prospect. I think he was closer to the majors and everything with, with regards to where he started. Yeah. So coming in, to, well, actually, no. He was 20 years old, and he peaked at high A as well. So it was actually very similar there, except he had much better plate skills too. Uh, but bottom line is it wasn't too far off. He has risen all the way up to uh, 686 picks to the 18th outfielder off the board. Where do you have Corbin Carroll ranked? I have Corbin Carroll ranked 21st. So. Okay, so you're not too far off the market. Pick yeah. 63, how does that suit you when, when you hear about pick 63 for Carroll? It still feels high. It still feels really, really high. It's a um, high range, higher range. I though. love the skills, though. He's and... 48 to 91, yeah. so he's got a wider range. You might be able to get him a bit cheaper because he didn't do as much. But I think I agree with you, though. Like, in a way, I guess, you know, they're, what, uh, about 35 picks apart, Harrison mm-hmm. and Carroll. Shouldn't that split be further given what Harris did versus it what should Carroll be. did? Like. You know, here, and now here. I'm going to go pro Harris and say, well, at least he put the the numbers on the board. He put up a 2020 day yeah. here. Carroll had 115 plate appearances in the majors. Why is he going quite that high? He shouldn't be. But this is the helium I was talking about. He went in sixth round of my draft. Uh, one thing, one last thing I want to mention on Harris. Uh, he had mm-hmm. real issues against left-handed pitching last year. He had so two third tune trouble. Yeah, he had two thirty-five against lefties, I believe, last year. So, uh, and like three something against righties. So, like the the righty work uh, carried a lot of the weight. Um, three thirty-seven BABIP against lefties too. Can't just say it was a BABIP fall off. He struggled. Yeah. yeah so uh, that that's a, a major concern. Uh, Carroll, I have very few concerns about. I, I do just think he's going to be a really, really good hitter. Um, and I think he kind of showed it in his kind of brief uh, cup of coffee at the major league level. Uh, I I wouldn't, you know, maybe one of my bold predictions is Corbin Carroll outproduces Michael Harris. Uh, you know, I think that, um, uh, though maybe that's not bold enough. I'm sure that's what the commenter should say. But uh, I love Corbin Carroll. I actually really love the Diamondbacks are doing. I think we talked about this briefly on a recent episode. Like, the Diamondbacks are going to be sneaky good. Um, I think so. I think there are a couple they have a chance away, to be. yeah, from like being really, really good. Um, they still have some, some interesting minor league guys uh, yet to come up. Uh, Carroll's got power, he's got speed. Uh, and I th- like I said, I think that Diamondbacks lineup is going to be a lot better than uh, I think people are giving it credit for. Um, yeah, I really like Corbin Carroll, but you're right, like the difference between him and uh, in ADP from Michael Harris probably shouldn't be this close. Like, yeah, yeah. this is one of those, like, this is Bobby Witt Jr., right? And not like saying he's going to do what Bobby Witt Jr. did. But we saw this helium from Bobby Witt Jr. last year. People having to take him in the third, fourth, fifth rounds of mm-hmm. draft. And that's where you're going to have to take Corbin Carroll if you want him in 2023. I'm okay with doing it. I'd prefer not to. Like, I just would. I'd prefer not to. But I, I can understand why people are going to. Yeah, like, that's the allure of power speed. I totally get it. And like we said, you know, we think the Diamondbacks could be a little bit more of a force, especially with that offense. And so, you know, the runs and ribby opportunities shouldn't be uh, suppressed as much as they would on a normal bad team. He did strike out 27% of the time. 
uh, with with a big jump in swing strike rate versus what Corbin Carroll had done at high, at, or excuse me, at double and triple A this year. Maybe a little bit of a concern. I think it's more of kind of learning the league. One thing I want to ask you about, though, his walk rate sliced in half, more than half. It was 15% in the minors, 7% in the majors. Do you attribute that to you know being challenged more because he doesn't have crazy pop, um, small sample, uh, he's not as good, and he was just being – guys were afraid of him in the minors, so he got walks just by virtue of really kind of being pitched around? I don't know. I, I'm speculating, so I'm asking you if you have any notion as to why Corbin Carroll's walk rate went in half. Um, I think, and I'm just kind of double checking the league numbers. Um, well, I was going to say, like, I don't, I wonder how much, like, uh, the league kind of forced him to try to lay off things outside of the zone. Uh, his zone percentage was just about 41%, but you know, what? that's about league average. So like, maybe that wasn't as much an issue. Like he had an 82% zone contact, which is a little bit below league average. Um, swing strike rate was fine. Like, um, it was 11.4%. That should have, you know, meant like a low to mid, uh, you know, kind of 20 strikeout rate. Um, and he only swung outside the zone 31.7% of the time. Like we said, like that's that's just, you know, right below league average. Like that's fine. Like I'm not worried about that. Or maybe that's right at league average. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's going to be fine. Like he's got a pretty good hit tool. Um, and I think this is just, you know, maybe I think these numbers – or just a little small sample foolishness. Uh, I don't see anything in the numbers that tells me he's going to strike out at a 30% clip. I think he's probably like a 23, 24% strikeout kind of guy uh, in his first full season with a bunch of power, uh, a bunch of speed and um, a decent average. So, you know, we're talking about a guy who potentially, you know, is like a 2030 guy. Um, with a 270 batting average and now i'm moving him up my ranks like i just as i'm talking through this like i'm just getting more and more excited on corbin carroll this feels like a trap though like these for every prospect that goes and does what michael harris does there's seven prospects that you know completely screw us over um and it's hard i'd much rather get like look for the next michael harris as opposed to pay a, a fifth or sixth round draft price on Corbin Carroll. And Corbin Carroll's not going to be a fifth and sixth round draft pick for very long. Yeah, again, we we look at the names around them that we've already mentioned. Rosarena, Mullins, Marte. I mean, even Adelise Garcia, who I'm really not necessarily in on, um, even though he put up another great I've season. I've got all of those guys above above Corbin Carroll. And, and I don't like Adelise Garcia I will not draft Adelise Garcia. So I will not have him ranked that high. Uh, Tyler O'Neill at pick 107. You know, I, with a guy like Tyler O'Neill, I'm always on the on the buy low train. Um, you know, I'm, I'm never buying on the upswing with with a guy like that. I think him at 107, O'Neill at 107, is more appealing to me than Carroll at 65. I think that's fair. <laughs> I've got O'Neill as my outfielder 26, so I think I'm probably above ADP, uh, but I'm still below Carroll. I I mean. Just the profile on O'Neill, man. Like, I love the power. I love the speed. I love the defense from a guy like Tyler O'Neill. But man, that's swing and miss, man. That's that's a problem. And now he got his injury. light skills this year, though. He, uh, he couldn't have been any worse. 
put up three points on his. Yes, they could have. They could have been yeah, worse. Look at uh, Michael Harris. Uh, he, he put up three points on his walk rate up to 10%, which I like, and lowered the strikeout rate by four points to 27%. So 27% is still pretty high. 13% swing strike rate. This is Tyler O'Neill we're talking about. But he rallied and ended up finishing 14-14 in 96 games. So there's still some appeal there, and I hope some of the shine wore off Tyler O'Neill because, like, last year, yeah. he, you couldn't get me to pay the premium. And this year, I think I'm in on the buyback. You know, you're right. Um, I did not realize, like, the underlying skills are, I mean, they're not amazing or anything, but they're better. Like, he moved from being a 70-something percent zone contact guy up to 82%. It's just a little bit below league average, but a guy with his kind of power uh, profile, if he's hitting 82% zone contact, like, that's a really, really good number for him to kind of get back to where he was. I uh, only swung out, swung outside of the zone less than 30% of the time. Uh, that swing strike rate down to 12.7%. That means he could be potentially a 25% uh, strikeout guy. And if Tyler O'Neill is a 25% strikeout guy, he could be a star again. Yes. And his Babbitt fell 89 points to 277. I got to imagine that there's some bad luck in that. And he was dealing with injuries. Um, but, you know, he put the ball on the ground more and his Babbitt went way down. That usually doesn't happen, especially with somebody with power and speed. So I was out on Tyler O'Neill last year. I give myself a little back pad for, for avoiding the, the bomb there. But I'm right back in because uh, this is a player I like. It's all due to price on Tyler O'Neill. Now that he's not going top 40 or whatever it was last year, I'm going to take the discount. And I'm going to take it, him over both those guys that we just talked about. And I just sorted his second half uh, by his second half numbers. They're actually better. The second half is what brought it up which is the good sign, right? That he, he made changes and he got better in the second half. Um, yeah. Uh, Tyler O'Neill going to start moving up my ranks. I think you're right. I would take him over uh, Corbin Carroll, I guess. So I've got a, um, who man, uh, the question is, do I take him over Taylor Ward? I think I would. And I'm a big Taylor Ward guy because the dynamic speed there and, you know, normally I wouldn't just say, okay, I'll just take him because of the speed. But I also think that O'Neill can match or exceed Ward's power output. So when you also throw speed on top of it, I'll give up the perceived batting average, which I do believe Ward will beat him at for the power speed combo. So, yes, I'll have them close, but I will have O'Neill over Ward. I, I just want to remind everybody this is a really bad outfield year, a really, really bad outfield year. It's you tough. get past like the top 20. And it gets ugly fast. And this is why you're going to see guys like Corbin Carroll raise up huge. That's a good point, other too. Because the warts start to get this big on every guy. Yeah. And you're, at, you're at, like, outfielder 25, and you're like, it's Chris Bryant who, you know, yeah, he's yeah. in Colorado. Nick, but Nick Castellanos coming off an awful year. Do you believe in uh, Anthony Santander? Like, what are we mm -hmm. really getting from Stephen Kwan? Like, can he repeat? Is Jake McCarthy or, legit? Yeah, like, there are, you know uh, – still got Cody Bellinger mixed in there. Like when you're playing, especially if you're playing in a 15 team league, uh, outfield gets really ugly, really quick. For those of you who play Yahoo, the three outfielders leagues, it's going to be fine. Like, right. You know, yeah, it won't be too bad if, you, if you're still three outfielder, but if you're five outfielder and you're in 15 team leagues, yeah. especially it really dries up there and you got to be careful. Let's jump to the mound real quick. Talk tower glass. Now we won't go too deep because we did talk about him uh, in the last episode when we were debating my rankings I think, uh, let me see if it was on the 
Yes. Okay. So we did get a comment on him too that might uh, color things a little bit more too. And I, if I recall correctly, you did relent on him a little bit and say, okay, you know, he did pitch well, move him up a little bit, maybe not as high as I had him. Uh, Weekend of Biden's said, Glassnow did not have normal TJ surgery. It was that newer hybrid version. The recovery and return are faster than full scale TJ. Glasnow also had a full off season to keep throwing, so he'll be close to 18 months out. That is more than enough time to return, especially considering how he pitched in the fall. And I tend to agree there. Uh, you know how I feel about TJ returners. I'm usually quite cautious. However, uh, you know, he kind of started his return this year. It was only six and two thirds, but I don't think next year is going to be that full, like disjointed return where he's going to be kind of up and down. I think there's a chance for Glass now to go out and kind of be himself. Now, we still have one year over 88 innings in the majors, and that alone is a question whether he was coming off TJ or not. But the talent is just uh, magnificent. He was drafted in 28 draft champions last year. He's moved up 666 spots this year, obviously going quite high now that uh, he can once again, uh, well, I was going to say, can once again be trusted. I'm not sure he's ever been able to be trusted. He's once again being seen as a viable option, going pick 76 on average as the 30th pitcher off the board. That includes relievers. Like I said, we talked about him last time, but what do you think about Tyron Glass now, and does that info about the uh, the different TJ move anything for you? Um, I mean, it, it moves things a little, I guess. I, though, I mean... Here's the thing, like, this is a new surgery. We'd have no idea what the track record is on it then. Like, you know, I mean, um, I, I'm i just never going to get to the point where uh, he, I'm close to the ADP. His ADP right now puts him as the 23rd starting pitcher if you take out those relievers, right? Um, I'm just never going to get there. Like, I just, I just don't know how I can. I would assume the Rays will be somewhat careful with him. Uh, and but maybe not. Like he's only got two years left on their con on his contract with the Rays. Maybe they just say we're gonna let you fly. He's gonna want to fly because he wants to get paid once he gets through twenty twenty four and kind of get that big contract. But I'm just very uneasy about it. And if I'm uneasy about my SP two, um, that is not a good way to start a draft. And uh, so like. I may be wrong. This may be Verlander again for me where I was completely out on Verlander because I was just uneasy about what the workload might look like. He coming off of Tommy John being old. Now, Glassdown's not old, but I have the other concerns. And I'm just going to go with a safer option for me at, at starting pitcher. Like I like it's I'm not going to shade people for taking that him, you know, as a top 20 or top 25 starting pitcher. Um, that is just not for me. I can't really push back too much on that um, because there is the inherent risk. And again, the reason it differs so much from Verlander, Verlander was a unicorn uh, iron horse before he got mm -hmm. TJ. Uh, Glass now is anything but thus far yeah. uh, within 111 innings being his max back in 2018 as a major leaguer. So you're, you're riding that concern there, and that's, that's looming. His skills have been completely off the charts. I mean, he really figured out his walk rate, something I was concerned with, and I was open about, like, hey, until I really see it, uh, and I still haven't really seen it for that many innings, but I've seen enough here in these smaller samples with Tampa Bay to believe that that he did make a real change with his mechanics to uh, tighten up that walk rate, but the innings are a problem right now. I, I, I tell you, I got to have – I probably to take glass now because I have him pretty high. 
I'm probably doing like a pretty heavy pitcher build at that point where yeah. I've got a frontline ace, another guy, and then glass now. So maybe three of my first five picks are pitchers at that point. Um, if if I'm getting glass now or, or six picks, he's going uh, he's going into the, just into the sixth round. So something like that is probably what I'm looking at. I hear you on not wanting him to be your two. This I will say this: if he is my two, then I'm backing him up with a, a quick three. I'm taking like Framber Valdez with my next pick in the seventh round. Type of I thing. think I think something that's like fair. that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Like I think if if I am drafting glass now, which I will not be this year, more than likely. Now I can always change. Like maybe I see him. You know, in spring, and I go, he's back. And you know, first first outing in spring training, he's throwing six innings. What? He's just workload is going to be no problem. Uh, you know, I could always backtrack, but as I feel right now on November first of twenty twenty two, looking at twenty twenty three, is that um, there's no way, there's just no way. But if I were to, I would want it to be like I would want to go Corbin Burns. Uh, Tyler Glass now, Fran Valdez. Like I would want like those. Like I would want a top tier ace at the top, and then some sort of workhorse, some sort of guy that can just give me a ton of innings in case I don't get it from Tyler Glass now. Because like you mentioned, he's never thrown a ton of innings. So like, why do we think this is the year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's the the biggest issue with him is is the previous issues that he's had staying healthy so why would you necessarily feel confident that he's going to stay healthy this year for tower glass now all right moving on uh our next big non-closing riser is another guy you mentioned he went in one draft last year one one intrepid drafter thought that gunner henderson was worth one of their 50 picks so he fits in this as opposed to the undrafted list he's up 649 picks from last year up to let me find out actually his uh, up to pick 102 right now gunner henderson is somebody that uh really looks like he could be pretty special immediately he put up 19 homers 22 steals in 503 point appearances at double and triple a this year came up for the in the majors four homers in a steal and two attempts with the o's and 132 point appearances he is seen as a power speed guy and there's big time upside here. Is he somebody that you're going to jump on? This is now uh, what our third power speed youngster that we're seeing rise up the board with Harris and Carroll. Uh, actually, fourth you could say with Grissom as well. Uh, is Henderson somebody you like more or less than those guys? He's going uh, a bit after them, but still quite high for somebody who has such limited experience. Um, I feel like the hype on him is going to get outrageous i i'm so i'm in this three sport league right mm-hmm. um and i'm trying to make trades uh because my football team is dynamite my basketball team is not dynamite because i don't know much about basketball <laughs> but, but my baseball team is pretty loaded so i'm trying to trade some baseball to add to my basketball right now um and i went to the guy who's got gunner henderson and i was all like hey um uh, you could use a shortstop upgrade because Gunnar Henderson is not going to qualify at shortstop. Let me give you Bo Bichette. And he's like, Gunnar Henderson's already better than Bo Bichette. Like, what? I'm sorry. Pardon? But, I mean, Pardon? Guess he must be an Orioles fan or something. I think he is. Uh, but, like, that's insanity to me. And he, Gunnar Henderson, when I think, went in the eighth round of my draft, and I, like, I, I was shocked. Um, he went in the eighth round of my draft. 
Um, there's no way I can pay that price. I love Gunnar Henderson. I really like Gunnar Henderson. I think he has the uh, opportunity to play every day. He's going to be third base eligible, which is kind of where you want him to be eligible anyways, mm-hmm. uh, because third base has such huge drop-offs. Um, there's power, there's speed. I think he's going to hit just enough to tap into that power uh, and you know get on base enough to get to that speed. Um, but eighth round, like, man, I don't know that I can pay that price. That feels very, very inflated. It's not cheap. No. And, you know, we're kind of seeing a little bit of a theme here, right, with with these guys up, 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 and up. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you're going to have to pay the premium for these young young bats this year if you want these potentially special power speed type guys. Uh, it, they're not coming at any sort of discount whatsoever. Give me, give me Josh Rojas 60 picks later. You love you some Josh Rojas. Why wouldn't you, dude? He had like 23 second half stolen bases. Like he's multi-position eligible. He's playing on a team in Arizona that's getting better. Like it's give me Josh Rojas all day long over Gunnar. He's 29 years old. I, I disagree with all day long. Um, all you can make a case for, for him, you know, a couple three, four rounds later, but I, I don't agree that it's that that reverse yeah, 360 reverse slam dunk the way you're the way you're saying 360 because, reverse slam dunk with my feet. No, no, not not uh, not necessarily there. I, I don't think it's all a hundred percent free and clear with uh, with Josh Rojas. I think the upside with Gunnar Henderson Put is it on substantial. The board. Josh Rojas has a better fantasy season than Gunnar Henderson. Okay. That's uh, that's 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 planting your flag there with Josh Rojas. I was, oh, trying, no, to I, I was, trying, I was trying to bait you into a bet. I'm not that strident on okay, it. Okay, right, uh, I'm just not. Write it down. Yeah, I'm just not like where you're at with take Josh Rojas 100 out of 100 times. 60 picks later. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's that signed, sealed, and delivered. So are, are you are you taking Gunnar Henderson as? a top 100 player. Cause that's what he's going to be. I know he's sometimes he's one-on-one like right now. I'm not fully out on that. He's going 10 picks behind Alex Bregman who I'll probably have instead. So then I yeah. wouldn't end up with Gunnar Henderson, but if I get left out on third base, I'm not completely averse to it. Uh, whereas, you know, 50 I, I, picks ahead of our, our boy Caprizi. I know yeah, the Caprizi train has derailed. Folks are out. On our boy Cabron Hayes, I thought I was going to be out, but at pick one fifty or later, I'm I'm like okay, yeah, yeah I'll I'm, take that. Like I still, I think at this point he is what he is. I think he's like a like a twelve thirty guy that's going to have injury issues, which will prevent him from getting from the thirty stolen bases regularly. But um, the like, biggest issue with Hayes is that where's the batting average that people. We're hoping. I think that batting average is going to be there. Like, I just, I think is that's what I'm hoping for. I think he's got his hit tool is fine, but like, I think he, Cabrian Hayes is Starling Marte at third base and young. Like, okay, we're taking Starling Marte in the third, fourth round, and I'm going to get Cabrian Hayes in the tenth. All right, I'll, I'll do that. Yeah, it's uh, like I said, if people are pushing out on Cabrian Hayes, which it looks like early on right now, they are kind of moving on. I'm gonna stay bought in. My thing with uh, with Rojas and why I'm not so certain that it's Rojas even 60 picks later over Henderson is, um, what do you think about that power difference between the two? I, I think Henderson is is a legit you know 25 homer candidate, whereas Rojas hit nine this year. He hit 11 last year. You know sub 150 ISOs. He's a 123 career ISO. 
that's my that's my difference there. I think that's why the price is so different between them. I think there's a reason for it. I don't think they're clones of each other going 60 picks apart. Um uh, no, I don't I mean I don't think they're clones. I think they're actually fairly different players. Um I just I'll I'll take the value on Rojas later. Give me the give me the guy who can give me some bags and go in 60 picks later. Like what do we think that Henderson's speed profile is? Like I think he's probably at best, a double-digit guy in the majors uh, this mm. year. Like, I don't think he's a guy who's gonna be. He's a burner. Wild. Is he? Yeah, you're judging him because he's white, you little bastard. No, I'm, I'm judging kidding. him based off our speed score on Fangrass, who has him as a pretty sure he's got forty. Pretty so. sure he's got a pretty pretty electric speed, if I recall correctly. And if and if you look at his, his speed coming up in the minors. Um, it was always pretty sharp, you know, at the minor league level this year, he was 22 for 25 on the bases. 90, 91st percentile on sprint speed. So I, I'm yeah, I mean, there you go. So and maybe I'm sprint speed alone. Does it's not, it's not a great, you're going to get yeah. steals, but his home to first, I think is pretty good too. Yeah. Uh, and that, and Jeff says that uh, Jeff, Jeff Zimmerman has highlighted and done the studies that the home to home to first uh, split is going to give you a better indicator of what potential steals are going to look like more so than just the sprint speed. Having good sprint speed is of course good, right? Well, I'm not suggesting otherwise, but that alone does not generate steals automatically. And Gunnar Henderson was 32nd with a 4.19 home to first. And that's with a lot of ties. Um, in fact, 4.13 is, excuse me, 4.01 was the tops with the, uh, uh, Garrett Mitchell, 4.05, Corbin Carroll. But you start to get a bunch of ties once you get past 4.09. Um, so if you did it with ties, he's probably closer to like 25th home to first for Gunnar Henderson. So I think he can be an, a, a burner. And when I say burner, I really just mean 20-plus steals. I think that's I think that's burner territory in today's game. And, if you can and, he, 20 can, plus. and he well her uh, well any concerns with his launch angle? Um, Two degrees. That would be bad. I would never it's, really make any judgments off 130 yeah, flight appearances. It's 82 that. batted balls, but he also did have a 50% ground ball rate in AAA this year. He had 60% in the majors. Yeah. Um, but again, he also had a 216 ISO in AAA, 261 in AA. We've seen power. I think there's development there. I think he's a better player than Josh Rojas is the point I want to impress. And so I think that that price difference is there for a big, big reason. He's also seven years younger. Um, I, 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 I'm just trying to stress that that cheapness and that difference in price is merited more than it is some great bargain for. Put it on the board then. Put it on the board. I, I, I'm still going to take Josh Rowe. I mean, and I'm not saying I'm out on Gunnar Henderson. Like I'm like, I just feel like, that is because I really do like Gunnar Henderson a lot. I just feel like eighth round, man. That's that feels really rich. Like we're paying, feels, we're paying for for talent right now. Though we're like we it's are kind of a market where we're paying for raw yeah. talent. And you know, I'm not averse to it. I've always been a get your guys type of drafter. And this is kind of you know when what we're seeing with these young prices is that a lot of other people are starting to take that on and putting some guys up with smaller track records that are just jumping way up. I'm not saying it's necessarily wrong. It's a little bit jarring because we're we're not necessarily used to it. But when you talk about the youth movement in the game, that's what this is going to yield, is that guys with one, two, or less than one full year of experience are going to start moving way up. 
Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think it's it is going to it's a matter of whether or not you want to pay that price. Exactly. I will have Gunnar Henderson on some teams. So as much as I've been disparaging his uh, um, his honor. I have been uh, <laughs> uh, I've been putting the Scarlet G on Gunner. Yeah, you um, have. Uh, I still will end up with him in some drafts this year. You've been putting I, Scarlet I, ADP on him. Yeah, I, I do want some exposure to Gunner Henderson just because I do agree with you. I think the talent level and upside is huge. I just don't know that it's that much better than Josh Rojas because Josh Rojas is amazing. I don't know about that. I I I want to like Josh Rose. I bought in when he first got traded over. I've been pretty underwhelmed since. I like that he spiked 23 steals this year. That was really nice. But it was with a sub 400 slug, which I think uh, can't can't be overstated there in terms of where Josh Rojas's output's going to be. But if they trust him to play every day, he can get you know low double digit homers with uh, 25 plus steals. That's still going to be valuable, especially 60 picks after Gunnar Henderson. Four home runs and 15 stolen bases in the second half for Josh. Rowe. Not bad, not bad second, at all. Second base and third base eligible. The two kind of thinnest positions at uh, in the infield. Mm-hmm. Losing I mean, the outfield eligibility sucks though. At, I, that's that tough. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's talk Spencer Strider here. He is our last guy uh, on this list and our third brave. As I mentioned, we would talk about a bunch of them. He went in 242 drafts last year. So plenty of people uh, in the 50 round draft and holds were like, Hey, the Spencer Strider guy could come up and be something. They were probably seeing him as like a, a, a reliever. Maybe he would get some stars. Like, I don't know. I didn't see a lot of hype about him or anything, but mm. obviously quite a few people were taking him. If he went in 242 of the 321 drafts, but he's still up 642 picks over last year because of course he went out and had a brilliant season he is now the 12th pitcher off the board you take out the closers that makes him the 10th sp pick 36 we have talked a bit about him as well um in, in passing here i think it was from yeah from the early draft champions review back on uh, october 14th so just just a couple weeks ago that we talked about him how much are you uh, how interested are you in paying this premium for Spencer Strider? You, you, you talk about somebody like Tyler Glass now that you're worried about. I think that all checks out. Spencer Strider went out and checked every box, though, right? Um, he didn't start all year. They had a concerted plan to make sure that they didn't run out of innings for him, especially if they'd had a longer playoff run, which I'm sure that's what they assumed they were going to do. And so he was in and out a little bit to start the year, but then he finally took over a full-time spot in late May, and I think that was their plan all along even though he had a couple like three and four inning outings before that people were trying to jump on him starting then in uh, April and early May and then cutting him. Right. He ended up on three, four teams before he landed somewhere with Spencer Strider. Then he took over in late May, got a full rotation spot. And then Justin down the stretch, what really impressed me was he was an easy six guy. He wasn't just some five and dive uh, as a two pitch guy who kind of gasses, you know, airs it out and then is gassed in the fourth, fifth inning. He was consistently going well, not well over five, but over five and had six plus innings in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of his last 15. Spencer Strider did end the season with an injury uh, to his lower half. He'll be 24 next year. The strikeouts are off the charts. There's pluses. There's minuses. I think there's more pluses than minuses. Are you paying the premium for Josh or uh, for Spencer Strider? Excuse me. For Josh, for Rojas. Josh Rojas, for Spencer um, Strider, 
Uh, I think his injury was an oblique issue, right? Okay, um, not lower half, pardon me. So not lower, but lower than the arm. So we'll, we'll take that as lower half because it's not an arm issue. Uh, so we're not as worried about it, right? If it's not an arm issue, we're not as worried about it. Man, this is hard because I understand why he is going as, what, a top 10 pitcher mm-hmm. right Top now. 10 SP, top 12 overall. Um, But... I can't rationalize it. And maybe it's 21st our, for me, so I'm obviously not getting him right. I haven't I have him higher than you, but I don't have him that high. I, I can't rationalize taking him over Zach Wheeler um or Julio Urias. Like I like I, I, I don't know how you like I get it. I get the upside. The upside is amazing. The upside is unreal if he can just do what he did over the course of a full season. This last year, because Spencer Strider uh, was unreal, a 38% strikeout rate. Like, that is unreal. Like, we're talking like 10,000 strikeouts in 2023. Like, you would only need to draft him as a starting pitcher if he reaches his upside. You could just draft eight relievers to go along with him. He will carry that rotation, win 45 games. I love the upside of Spencer Strider. I just one there were kind of issue injury issues throughout the season. Like you know, this wasn't a guy who was completely healthy. It's a real unknown uh, whether or not he can continue to maintain these strikeout rates uh, without the walk rate going up or the home run rate going up. I again, I think this is one of those situations where I uh, will be unlikely to get him anywhere but i'm also not going to beat up anybody who wants to start off their draft with spencer strider i think he's best suited for a pocket aces strategy give me corbin burns and spencer strider sure and then let me not worry about starting pitching for the next eight rounds or whatever well only thing i'll push back on is i don't think there really were any injuries during the season there wasn't i feel like there was i mean none, none that took him out i mean he didn't hit the il except for the oblique um, and I don't really see, you know, he had a few things that ling, a few uh, rests that lingered beyond the stand. Although that, I think that one's the all-star break. And then a couple sixes and sevens, a six and a seven days rest in August. But again, that might be more of like uh, load management there. I, I think he was pretty healthy during the season until the oblique ca- came. I'm looking it up. You could be right. But, um, you know, again, there's so much upside with him. The thing that was interesting to me about Strider, though, is he, he finished 21st among starters this year on the auction calculator um, with this great season. I understand people are, you know, adding more innings and hoping that he goes up 160, 170 innings. But is that going to move him from 21 to 10? I'm not, I'm not so sure. Um, that price is just a little bit too high for me. And by the way, I didn't rank him 21st just because that's where he ranked last year. I didn't even uh, realize that 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 he's moved down to 21 after some shuffling and, and altering of other players. I could even move him up a few spots, but the best I could probably really do as I'm eyeballing my board is 16-17 for Strider, which I think still takes me out of the sweepstakes. I don't think I'm getting him. Love the player. I just, you know... Any concern that he's also a two-pitch guy or the two pitches just so good that you're not worried about it? Because I, 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 I'm i reluctant to make too much of that, but then I got Eno in the back of my head, 
you know, hearing hearing his voice talk about how even just having a third pitch, even if it's not very good, is still better than not having it just because it gives you something to go to. And the fact that uh, that he he Strider is pretty much a two pitch guy, it didn't cost him anything as far as a platoon split. He handled lefties just as well, or, or just about. But is there any concern on on that front with Strider? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's got to be some concerns. And you were right; there were no other injuries. I don't know what I'm, I was remembering, so I apologize for that. Um, no problem. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a big concern. I mean. There, we have seen guys be successful with a two pitch mix, but not very many. No, yeah, you know, we've also seen guys really, really struggle with that, uh, without having that third pitch, even after having kind of like a breakout kind of season or something. So and Nelson Lamette didn't do it as long as as, as Strider. I want to be clear. I, I, I'm. It's a little bit tongue in cheek on that, but not a hundred percent. Did Nelson Lamette? The 69 innings of 2020 were so nice, 35% K rate, 8% walk rate. He was brilliant, and then he came back. Now, he had record of having command issues and things like that. I, I Again, it's not a one-to-one, but what happens if one of the pitches isn't there for Strider? Mm-hmm. Then you're a one – like it's just – it really cuts your margin for error, and he still had a 9% walk rate, right? Like he's still a flamethrower that sometimes – can't command his electric stuff and i'm just not sure that uh that i can free and easily trust him as my number two guy or even my number one if i don't take one of the the top top guys yeah i mean i think he's one of those guys that uh we didn't see a home run issue from this year and so i think people are just projecting that will carry over we did see is when he has trouble locating like he'll walk a bunch of guys. We you know saw mm-hmm. uh, you know a five walk outing, a, a bunch of three walk outings, um, and when the guy's not going five every game, like three walk outings are a bit more concerning than if he was going six every game. I I think this is a risk reward thing, and I think people are often going to say, "I want the highest reward early," and I tend to be the guy that I want the I want the like the lowest risk early, like. I just can't imagine taking him over Zach Wheeler and that's exactly. where he's going. Like I just, I can't take him over guys who have won Cy Young's who are still really elite. Um, and as opposed to a guy who's thrown a hundred innings at the major league level, amazing innings, but a two pitch guy who's only thrown a hundred innings at the major league level. I just not gonna, just not gonna pay that price. Yeah. And that's where I come out with Strider and it's, it's one of those things where you, you can love a player, but you don't love the price, and then you just don't end up with him. That's what I'm looking at with Spencer Strider right now. Probably not going to have him. Going to have to, uh, you know, root for him vicariously through video games and and DFS using him uh, on occasion when he's starting there because I just don't see a lot of teams where I'm going to have Spencer Strider. So yeah, uh, Michael Harris, Corbin Carroll, Tyron Glass, now Gunnar Henderson, Spencer Strider, the top five non-closer risers, and the top five undrafted from 2021 to this year. Alexis Diaz, who's now pick 149. Vaughn Grissom, who's now pick 182. Joey Manessis at 228. Kodai Senga at 296. And Matt Mervis at 325. Got two other little five-packs here. We'll save those for next Tuesday because, of course, in Arizona, we'll probably uh, talk some Arizona-based stuff, cover some Fall League players cover some draft talk there with Jason, but uh, we'll go ahead and cap it here with these and then, and then get into those other two lists next week. Justin, I'll be seeing you in just a couple days, man. I can't wait, man. It's I just 
one of my favorite weekends of the year and uh, and I and I made it almost a week just because I wanted to spend as much time out there as possible. So I'll be there. I get in Wednesday afternoon. I take off uh, Monday afternoon. Can't wait to see you, brother. Can't wait, man. I'll see you in a couple days. Take it easy. <laughs>